don't be afraid to step out. Don't be afraid to invest in yourself. You know, like the thousand dollars that I invested in that laptop, that was very scary because I was disabled. I'm living on disability. We are just barely getting to the end of the month with any money left in the bank. But I took tax returns and I invested in a laptop and that was very scary. And my ex-wife was not happy about it. And, but I had, I had to take a chance and invest in myself and see if I could do this now, you know, if this would help out as much as it looks like it would help out. And now I pay all my bills drawing comic books. You just heard a portion of the fascinating story you're about to hear from my guest on today's episode of the God and Gig Show. His name is Fish Lee, and he's a comic book illustrator, writer, author, and he is a creative who has overcome some of the greatest challenges you could possibly imagine, from dysfunction in his family to a debilitating disease that many people do not understand, yet he has overcome it through faith in God and faith in his dream. And now you're going to find out not only how he's overcome his struggles, but now how he's launching into a whole new realm of creativity, of loving what he does for a living and being able to make his way in a very challenging industry. You're going to find so much inspiration in this episode. I cannot wait for you to hear it. But first, let me welcome our newest listeners, and then we'll get right into our conversation with our fascinating guest. Artists, musicians, and creatives of all kinds. Looking for help balancing your passion to create with your everyday life? Not sure if your faith can coexist with your profession? Welcome to a place where real artists discuss real life. You're listening to The God and Gig Show. Visit GodandGigs.com for show notes, links, and more information. Hello and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for making this podcast a part of your creative day. Whether you're listening in your car, on your run, wherever you are, you are in the right place at the right time, especially if you are a creative who's trying desperately to connect the dots between your spiritual life and your creative life. You're trying to practically walk this out so that you can transform your life from the inside out by applying timeless spiritual principles to the temporary creative problems that you're facing. That's what the God and Gigs show is here to help you do. We have all kinds of resources at GodandGigs.com, but right now I just want you to listen and then make sure as you listen to subscribe and follow the show. And if you enjoy it, please leave a review to let other creatives know that you found a home and a tribe of faith-focused creatives who really want to become the creatives that they were created to be in every sense of the word, in their spirit, in their families, in their creative lives. They don't want to leave anything out and they want to be completely confident. And by talking to people like my guest today, they learn just how to do that. Now, let me introduce you to our guest who, as I said in the open, is one of the most interesting, incredible stories I have ever heard from a creative. His name is Fish Lee, and he calls himself the fastest creator in indie comics. He is a writer and artist who has worked on over 30 titles in the past few years. But even that is not the most interesting part about him. He is also a person who has overcome and who is living with severe Tourette's syndrome. Trapped in a wheelchair for 15 years, unable to walk, 
talk or see for most days. Somehow he has overcome those incredible obstacles to now where he is creating his own comic book series, one of which is coming out very soon as I'm recording. And he is starting to launch his own brand in the midst of overcoming all of these illnesses that he's had to face. Not only that, he has an incredible family that he is supporting. It is just an inspirational story that you have to hear. I can't even start to get into all the things that Fish is going to tell you, but I can tell you, he is going to tell you what Tourette's syndrome really is all about, what it's like to have to deal with that type of illness and what it really is. He's going to dispel some myths about it. He's going to give you some tips and advice as an up and coming artist, if you are interested in the comic book genre or illustration and how to start to build your own brand. He's going to tell you about how he navigated this incredible struggle with trying to find his own place in art while also overcoming the challenges that he had in his physical life and his health. Once again, I cannot tell you enough. You're just going to have to dial in, buckle in, and listen to the incredible wisdom, how this man's faith, tenacity, and understanding of how to navigate a really, really difficult situation is going to show you how you can overcome any obstacle that you face as you pursue the creative dream for your life. So once again, I can't preface it. I cannot give you a preview. I just have to let you meet the man for yourself. Here's my conversation. On honored and it's going to be a pleasure for me and for you to meet this gentleman. He is a comic book illustrator, a creator, and he has an incredible backstory. You're going to find out that he has kind of almost a heroic story to tell you. And uh, that's why I would like to welcome Fish Lee to the God and Gig Show. How are you, sir? Man, I am good. I'm glad to be here. I'm really excited for this conversation. Just a little bit tired because it's early in the morning, but I'm I've been looking forward to this all week. Hey, they they say the early bird. Somebody said the early bird gets the worm. I don't know why they said it because I don't. I think birds get fed all day long. <laughs> it was one of those cliches. We're like, we'll say that, but we really don't know. But no, thank you for getting up early. It is you know a labor of love, really, in content and creating. And you know, we made this work. We connected via podcast search, and I your story just popped out. Uh, when when uh, when we reached out and started to realize that hey number one you are a creative you are a, a illustrator you you do all the things right you have not yes. only not only are you the creator but you're also the publisher and the marketer and the uh, the videographer you have to do all you got to wear all the hats you got to be social media marketer you've got to be you know an entertainer all this stuff you you no longer can just sit in your studio and be an artist and let somebody else handle all that stuff. Because if the world doesn't know about you, then your clients aren't going to know about you and they don't hire you. So uh, it's tiring, but you got to stay busy, man. You stay busy and you are staying busy. So I want to give everybody a chance to kind of get to know you, get to know your project, what's coming out, some exciting stuff. But first, give them the 30-second elevator pitch if you can, your origin story, right? Just give them a little (laughs) bit of what you you do. So if you had to tell them like in the, the simplest form, what you do right now and like what your what your uh i guess your background is uh i'm a artist and creator i'm a storyteller first like that's really the gift that god gave me was being a storyteller and i use that as an illustrator for other people's comic books i use it as a writer and illustrator for my own comic books i've used it to preach and all kinds of things over the years 
uh, I've been making my living for the last several years and through the pandemic as an illustrator. I made my own comic book, T-Man and Hyperstrike, about four years ago about a superhero team where he has Tourette syndrome and she has ADHD to inspire kids like me growing up with Tourette syndrome to believe in themselves. And after that, that one was successful enough that I've been busy ever since drawing other people's comic books. And now for the first time in several years, I'm getting to go back and do one of my own comic strips. And this one is an ongoing series, green zone life in the blocks. And I'm super excited about that. It goes to Kickstarter April 4th and you can follow that at go It'll take you right there. So you can sign up for the pre-launch page. Uh, I'm real excited about it. I'm real excited about, about the publisher that I've signed with. And hopefully if things go well with green zone next year, I will be doing just my own stories, which is an amazing blessing. I never expected. I get to draw superheroes all day for a living. Like that's my day job. I'm already living the dream. I play all day, every day. It's ridiculous. If you see me sitting here in my chair, I'm making sound effects. I'm having such a good time. I'm blowing up planets and laser blasts and oh, it's so much fun. And But to get to move into telling my own stories and get to weave in passion and pain and anger and frustration and and an unfair system that you just can't climb out of. And, oh, I get goosebumps when I think about this world of green zone. I get so excited about it. Uh, well, you know, okay, so we got we got to grab on to that excitement because I think I mentioned this earlier when we were talking. There is this idea that you get to play, you get to do a childlike thing, drawing. Like I remember doodling. I have not a bit of visual acumen in my body. Okay, <laughs> but I remember making the little comic strips in kindergarten and public school, and just oh my gosh, you know, doodling and your kids, mm-hmm. like, and, and the teachers, right? Unfortunately, I was a teacher as well, so I know what this is like. You get on the student, stop doodling, stop daydreaming. And then, but that's the very thing that you get to do. So tell me a little bit. Was this something that came up in childhood, or was there was there some struggles or anything that like going through childhood that you didn't get to examine that you get to like really play in that world now? I I was always the best artist in class, but like in kindergarten, that meant that I could draw the best dragster out of a triangle in two circles. So like, I wasn't like Michelangelo as a kid, but one of the things that comes with Tourette syndrome and ADHD and being on the autism spectrum is you tend to hyper-focus on things. And for the last 46 years, art has been one of my hyper-focuses that I have focused on a lot. And so when other people were, you know, out playing sports and going to dances and whatnot, I was in my room drawing. I mean, I still got out, got into trouble and did stupid things, but I spent way more time drawing than your average kid did. And just the sheer number of hours I spent doing it made me good at it. But, uh, you know, my passion for a lot of things, like I wanted to be an engineer and inventor when I was a kid. And so like after seeing the Goonies and falling in love with data and the Goonies and I wanted to build that coat and I wanted all the gadgets to come out of it. And my mom said she wouldn't take me to the junkyard unless I had a detailed plans of what I was going to build. So she knew what I needed and what I was going to bring home. Cause if she took me to the junkyard to get parts, I was going to bring home everything I saw that was cool. She was a wise, wise woman. <laughs> and so 
I started drawing out detailed plans for my coat and then like inspector gadget came out and then my coat had to get more complex and I had to figure out how can I strap a lawnmower motor to my head so I can fly, you know, and all these things. And then, you know, it just kept evolving and then it became like an Ironman suit and I had to figure out how to put jet turbines in my boots without them showing. And next thing you know, I've been drawing superheroes and characters and costumes and stuff for years. And it fit my storytelling aspect so well that, you know, as I got into high school, I realized what a natural storyteller I was. Yeah. And I met other storytellers, like a friend of mine's grandpa. Oh, he could weave a tale just about going to the grocery store that would have you transfixed. And we would be sitting around his feet, just listening to the stories about his day because he was so good at it. And I started picking apart, like, because some of these trips I went on and they didn't seem that exciting until you frame it the right way and you use the right descriptive words. And, you know, and she came upon me and I didn't know she was there and I was startled to my core. You know, like you ran into somebody you didn't know, but like, if you tell it right, it becomes fascinating. And I started picking all this stuff apart and my art just bled into it. And then comic books, you can do all of that. You could be a storyteller. You could be an artist. You can control everything. Like I would love to be a director. That would be a lot of fun, but you got to have people and sets and cameras and lighting and all of this stuff. I can draw comic books by myself. I don't have to have, I don't have to have you act correctly and try six times to get what I'm looking for. I can just draw it. And so it just felt so natural. And, you know, I've been working towards this forever. It took, it took becoming crippled by Tourette syndrome, being out of work for several years, having to create my own freelance job again, out of nothing when my Tourette's got a little better, to finally get to work in my dream job, but I'll take it. I'm not wasting any time now. Everybody asks me why I work so hard and why I work so fast. I got a lot of catching up to do. I don't know how much time God's got me left here. I'm going to get as many of my stories out as I can in that time. I love that. No. And I've got to go back. Excuse me. I got to ask you because you mentioned the Tourette syndrome. You've mentioned the, the, you know, that, 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 that's not something in passing. And, and I think of all things I checked in, you know, you mentioned your first comic book about, um, somebody that was dealing with Tourette's dream, how like you became a hero of sorts, or you created a hero who knew what you went through. But first mm-hmm. we need to know like what that is. And is, it is unfortunately, as you probably know more than anybody else, that name strikes fear into many people. Oh, yeah. Just hearing the word Tourette syndrome creates a, a a level of anxiety and un, and 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 un, un, it's unknown to most people all we hear is this uh thing about oh well this person it's, says this word that this sort of ticks right? it's a swearing disease that's exactly. what that's so, what everybody knows or thinks it is like it's cost me interviews because people are too afraid of what i might say on the interview don't give me the opportunity to explain myself and explain what it is like it has such a stigma attached to it that it is a part of what some people have with Tourette syndrome, you know, like 
one out of 10 of us have corporalia, which is a subcondition, which makes you say inappropriate things. Now, inappropriate could be yelling out a string of racial slurs, or it could be yelling out yellow rubber tugboat or Mike Johnson cheats on his tax report, which is the kind of stuff I tend to yell out, but it still qualifies as inappropriate because it's not like something you intended to say. It doesn't make sense. It's, you know, it's inappropriate. But that's only one in 10 of us. Like, that's not all the diseases. That's like saying cancer is the disease where your hair falls out. Mm. Well, some people with cancer get treatments that cause their hair. Not everybody does. Not all cancers may need the same kind of treatment. Other diseases make your hair fall out. Like, it's not one and the same, but that's all people know is it's cancer is the disease that makes your hair fall out. So that's not what it is. I like to explain when I meet new people, I tell them that I have a neurological condition first and that the wiring in my brain, the insulation is a little thin on the wiring. So it causes a lot of short circuits and sometimes it's just random things and it might make my face twitch or my head jerk or my arms twitch. Sometimes it's more complex things like tugging on my clothes or wiping my mouth or making noises or grunting. Sometimes it's things as complex as yelling out crazy things or making weird faces. And like, if I'm going to be around somebody for a while, I like to explain it to them this way. So they don't think I'm just making faces at them for no reason, you know, or, you know, I'm making faces at what they just said. It's completely, you know, out of my control. And I explain what the disease is, what it does. And then I tell them that it's Tourette syndrome because that way they're listening the whole time thinking, oh, what's this new condition I'm going to learn about? And then they find out it's Tourette's and they realize that Tourette's is bigger than they thought it was. If I say I have Tourette's, they shut down and they don't listen anymore because I know what that is. And it's a lot of things for a lot of people. We have a lot of things in common and there's so many things that are so unique to each person. You know, like my, I had a much more severe case of Tourette's than a lot of people. For a lot of people, by this stage in life, they might sniff and blink a lot and, you know, occasionally, <coughs> and you would never know. You think they have allergies or something and you, it goes on by. You know, for other people, they might have corporalia, they might yell out stuff, they might twitch and jerk in public. I do a lot of that. But, like some of my friends, mine got so severe later in life that I was constantly thrashing and jerking. I cannot act it out because I have given myself so many concussions over the years. If I shake my head no too hard, I will give myself another concussion. Mm. So I have to be careful when I act it out because I will instinctively shake my head and then I'll be in bed for three days with a terrible headache. I would shake so violently. My jaw would lock shut. I couldn't talk for, you know, most of the day. Uh, there's a lot of times where my eyes will clamp shut and I can't see. Uh, my arms would be thrashing. My hands will be twisted into claws. There was a lot of times, many, many, many days over 15 years that I couldn't ever get out of bed, that I couldn't get out of my wheelchair. You know, that the best I could do would be to stumble from my bed to my recliner. And that was it. I was there when I had to go to the bathroom, somebody had to help me get there. And then I was in bed for the rest of the day. Cause I couldn't make it back again. I couldn't get to the kitchen and, you know, 
fix a drink and make it back to my chair without dumping it on the floor. I have not drank out of a cup that didn't have a lid and a straw in 20 years because I can't be trusted with an open cup. I will dump it every freaking time. Um, and I had this mystery disease as a kid. We didn't know what it is. I, my ticks were so subtle when I was a kid that they went unnoticed. Like I would oh. tug at my clothes. I would wipe my mouth. I would rub my nose a lot. I, was I ask would about the diagnosis. Like when did it actually, when did, when did you actually find out? Cause it does sound like something that, like you said, unless you know what you're looking for. Yeah. I got diagnosed at 30, which made growing up kind of tough. But like I was saying, my, my ticks were so subtle when I was a kid that they went unnoticed. Like I stuttered, I would hold my breath. I would tug at my clothes. Um, I would repeat things that I heard all the time, which is echolalia. It's a common Tourette's tick, but it's also something kids do. Like you hear something on TV, you repeat it over and over and over and over again because you're a kid. So those things just went unnoticed. And the autistic like tendencies that come with Tourette's because almost everybody now with Tourette's syndrome gets diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder too. Um, they just tend to go hand in hand with the way the brain's wired and, you know, not being able to read social cues, not understanding how to make friends, not, you know, being able to pick up on that stuff, being hyper-focused on the things I care about and oblivious to everything else in the world that's going on. Those kind of things made it really hard to like make friends, get along in school, do all the stuff that came real easy to everybody else that, that was a lot longer process to get through and led to a lot of trouble in my life. But, uh, you know, but also with the hyper-focus and stuff, I would get focused on the things that I love and I would be content, you know, watching the cartoons that I liked, playing with my toys, making stories in my head, drawing them out. Like I was happy in my own little world by myself. Um, unfortunately, like some of, I have a group of friends that we've, come to find each other as adults and we support each other, encourage each other. Uh, like a lot of them, I kept getting worse as I got older. Most people with Tourette's, as they get older, they get better at handling it. They learn what triggers their tics and what kind of things to avoid. And I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what was going on. So I didn't learn how to avoid any of these things. And they just kept getting worse. And, and my Tourette's itself just kept getting worse on its own. And so I would go through these periods where it would get really bad and I'd be out of school for a couple of weeks and we get tests and they test me for diabetes and all the things that you think a kid might normally get. And then I would get some really weird tick. Like one time my eyes crossed and they wouldn't, I couldn't get them to uncross for like three days. And when that happened, the doctor's like, Oh, he's faking it for attention. So I get sent home and my mom's yelling at me you know, that I can cross my eyes too. You got to stop this and go to school, but I can't see to get the cup off of my nightstand to try and take a drink that she just put there for me. And I'm crying and I don't know what to do. And everybody's telling me that I'm faking it for an attention and I can't figure out how to stop it. That messes with your head. It really does. I spent the next 10 years of my life just screaming at myself and fighting against this 
tension in my body, this crawling on my nerves. It feels like ants crawling all over your body all the time on your nervous system. And I was constantly screaming at this, and, you know, thinking that I was somehow subconsciously doing this for attention. And I even like in my adult life, I was seeing the best neurologist in town and he went through all the tests, all the genetic tests for, you know, and MRIs and looked for MS and Huntington's disease and all these other things. And he went through Tourette's, but all he knew about Tourette's was a paragraph he read in med school. And since I didn't bark like a dog or swear, couldn't be Tourette's and just went on. And eventually he diagnosed me as faking it for attention and which led to a lot of strife and struggle between me and my ex-wife at the time. Cause at this point I can't get around without crutches or a wheelchair. She's having to push me around. I can't work anymore. You know, there's a lot of times that I can't feed myself. I can't get dressed by myself. She's getting mad. The doctor's telling us that I'm faking it for attention. And then the local weatherman comes out and does a special about having Tourette syndrome And everybody from church calls me and says, hey, this guy on TV looks just like you. You've got Tourette's. I was like, oh, I don't cuss. That's not it. You don't have to cuss. Check it out. And sure enough, he had a specialist on there that not only looked exactly like me. I mean, it was a big, heavy guy in a chair with a beard, and he was thrashing around talking about what Tourette syndrome is. I go to a new doctor, got diagnosed like that. Life changes Now I know what it is. I start meeting other people. I start to learn how to live with it. I start trying new meds. After a while, life gets a little bit better. And now I'm back to where I can work again. I mean, I can't stand up and I can't stand up for an hour. I can't talk on the phone every single day. I can't walk, you know, two miles, but I can sit in my recliner and work. I've learned to build a business around what I can do and work around my limitations. And I stay busy all day drawing superheroes, which is awesome. Oh gosh. Okay. So I, there's so much to unpack and unravel uh, again, her- heroic because you have the, the struggle where you don't know why you are the way you are, right? The identity crisis has to be where you just said it. You're, you're yelling at yourself. People are telling you you're not, you're faking it, which is, again, just infuriating, but we, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll step back from that. And then the second half that I really want to just remind people of is that you mentioned, you know, with like other neurological diseases like Alzheimer's, like Lou Gehrig's, these are progressive. They don't look the same as they look at the end. And for you to go through almost your entire adult life not knowing this until somebody correctly identified it. So I, I want to just, again, for people who are listening to you who may have seen this in a child, in a young adult, um, just give them just a quick couple of pointers of what what resources they can look for just to help them avoid what you went through. The things that have been the biggest help for me, I mean, I have been on nearly every medication for Tourette's now at this point, and a lot of them I was on until we got the doses so high, you can't go any further and they quit working. And then I had to go to another med and try over. I ended up finding a balance of medication that works really well to help me. I've learned some techniques to help work with it. But the biggest, biggest things was making sure that I get enough sleep, eating every day, eating regularly. Like I set myself alarms to remind me to eat lunch and stuff during the day because I'll get so focused on what I'm doing that I'll forget. Um, 
getting exercise as much as I can and keeping my body in good shape, uh, managing stress and anxiety, like the more stress and anxiety and frustration and stuff that I'm having to deal with, it aggravates my dreads, but stress and anxiety will aggravate a whole lot of conditions. Um, so the more I can deal with that, the more I can self-care and soothe myself and not let my anxiety try and run out of control because I'm starting to tick in public and now I'm nervous because people are going to stare at me and I don't, I'm afraid of what they're thinking. And you let that start to spiral. It gets really bad. Just learning to, Oh, I tick. I'm okay. Smile and wave. That's my motto. Like, you know, if I yell out something stupid in the middle of a store, I smile and wave. Everybody knows I'm okay. They don't have to call an ambulance. You know, I'm not a threat. I'm not, you know, going to come hurt them. You know, if anybody's looking long enough, I'll tell them that it's Tourette syndrome and just go back about my business that everybody can calm down and they know I'm okay. They're okay. And it eases the situation. And a dear friend of mine is a little bit older than me and has been living with severe Tourette's for a lot longer than I have. Uh, he, he helped me learn to surf the waves instead of like standing in the ocean, trying to fight against them. Because, you know, if you just stand there in the ocean, trying to fight against it, the waves are going to knock you down and they're going to sweep you away. But if you learn to surf the waves, then life is a whole lot easier. And, you know, sometimes I walk really crooked, you know, but I'm not trying to fight against it because if I fight against it, I'm not going to be able to walk by the end of the day. And the more I fight against the Tourette's, the more it builds and the worse it gets. If I'm afraid of letting out this one tick while we're in the restaurant, then it starts to build up. And next thing you know, I can't talk and then I can't see. And then I need people to help me get out of the chair. And I have to hold on to my wife to lead me out of the restaurant because I can't see where I'm going. And, you know, it just builds and builds and builds the more I try and fight it. If I let that one tick out, that might be the only tick I have for the rest of dinner. Or I might blink a little, or I might shake my head a couple of times. Like it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to build up to that crescendo if I can just relax and let it go and work with it. And that has made my life so much easier. That's and great advice for anything regarding, you know, you mentioned this is not just for people with Tourette's. This is any kind of like, I, I can think about the, really the Bible talks about this. And I know we're jumping quickly to this idea, but take every thought captive, right? It's, it's, it's knowing your thoughts, not necessarily, like you said, um, fighting against it, but just being aware and knowing mm -hmm. that, like you said, if you go down that path and fight it and and struggle with it, you're basically giving it the entire being, your entire being at that moment. And you're more than that. You're more than the ticks. You're more than uh, what people perceive as being this major struggle for you. And you found a way to like, I love the analogy, surf the waves. Um, I'm, I'm using that for more than just, you know, for, for anything I could think of where it's a struggle where I have to come comment and say, hey, I can either like struggle with this or I can just let it ride and move on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that I am grateful about not getting diagnosed until I was an adult is by the time I got diagnosed with Tourette syndrome, I knew how awesome I was. I knew how talented I was. I knew how smart I was. I knew that I was so much more creative than 99% of the people around me. I knew that I had a whole lot of gifts that made me awesome and that they made me valuable. I knew that I had learned how to become a good friend. I knew I was a good father and I was a good husband. 
And, you know, I was a valuable servant in my church. Like I knew I had these things that made me valuable and worthwhile. And then I got crippled by Tourette syndrome and I spent, you know, a decade in a wheelchair and, you know, I couldn't travel around and preach anymore because I couldn't find anybody to drive me and push the wheelchair. And, you know, and that was heartbreaking. And I lost a lot of things. I had to let go of a lot of dreams for my future. I had to let go of kayaking because I shake too much. To, I will drown myself if I try and go kayaking now. And I loved it so much, but I had to let go of a lot of things. I had to let go of, you know, building my own house because I was a carpenter too. And, you know, there was just something I was going to do it. And there's no question. I was going to build a house big enough for me. All the doors were going to be tall enough. I was never going to have to duck in another doorway for the rest of my life. I had to let go of that dream and that hurt. But I knew there were so many things that still made me awesome, that still made me valuable. And by this time, I knew that my real worth was set in who I was in God's eyes and not how well my body works. And I was so focused on all the blessings that I had my three beautiful children. I've got such a huge, beautiful, multicolored, multifaceted family. Now my kids are all the colors of the rainbow. I love them so much. They bring me so much joy. God has blessed me so much that, okay, my body doesn't work right. Sometimes I'm in a lot of pain just about every day, but that is nothing compared to the blessings that have been showered on me. And I focus on those things and not how well my body works and you can't help but have a heart of praise in that situation my yeah. goodness well you just opened up the door sir we try not to go uh we we, we lead with god in gigs but we but some, it just comes out automatically we don't actually impress people oh what well, this is going to be about faith yet you brought it up and uh you mentioned a couple of times preaching you mentioned church i you know so what area or what role did faith play in your you know, overcoming these struggles, um, and, and how, and how, and how much, I guess, does it now still play? Man. I mean, not to be dark, not to, you know, I would not have made it if it wasn't for my faith in God, if it wasn't for like the huge change he had made in my life and in my heart, like I used to be a bad guy and I told you earlier that I didn't understand social interactions. I could not figure out how the jocks or the preps or any of these people got along. But when we got closer to high school and I found the hoodlums, their social structure is real easy to figure out. Scariest guy wins. And I was already bigger than everybody else. So you hurt a couple of people and all of a sudden you're in charge. And I became the king of the thugs in high school. And you know, I'm a creative guy. So I figured out ways to make myself even scarier. I'm already bigger than everybody else. You put on the black trench coat and put on these black shades and never take them off for any reason. Uh, I grew my fingernails out long and cut them to points and painted them black, anything to make myself look terrifying and scare people. Even the brand of cigarettes that I smoked, like I smoked non-filter cigarettes just because it freaked out all the other thugs that, you know, were smoking Marlboros. And, you know, once I got good at this, I started to do some bad things that I really regret, you know, the kind of person that I used to be. But for once, I was popular and, you know, I was popular among my crowd and I was terrified, you know, everybody else. It was 
it was amazing to have that kind of power. It was cool to have everybody in town was scared of me. You know, small town, it's easy to be the scariest guy in town. And there was a lot of power in that and it was addicting, you know, and, but as I got older, I moved out of that and I settled down and stuff, but I still, you know, like didn't bother me in the slightest to steal from people or to rip people off or, you know, things like that. And then God got a hold of me and changed my life. And it was such a huge change that it scared my ex-wife and she almost divorced me because at that moment, because she did not know how to deal with this. This was a completely different person. He doesn't react the same. He doesn't talk the same. You know, he's not getting mad at everything. He's not, you know, yelling at the waitress. Like, like this was just a completely different guy. And eventually she realized this guy was better than the one she married and she stuck around for a little longer, but the change that he made in my life was so amazing and so dramatic before my Tourette's got so severe and, you know, and he blessed us with three amazing sons that I love dearly. And, uh, you know, it turns out that we couldn't have, neither one of us could have kids. And so we became foster parents. We had like 70 kids come through our house that we got to love on and minister to over a few years. We adopted our oldest two sons. And then, you know, one day me and my two boys, you know, we pray over mama and we pray that, you know, we want to have a baby. And four weeks later, we were four weeks pregnant. And on Christmas day, 2003, my third son was born. And now I've got this big, giant, hormonal teenager stomping (laughs) around the house that is an absolute miracle from God, reminding me every day how God, how good God is to me, that when I lost my ability to walk and my ability to see and my ability to speak, I still, I could not help but be overwhelmed with how good God was to me, you know, that we managed to still have a house to live in, that we still had food to feed my children, that I had these amazing children, that I had these amazing friends from my church that loved me. They weren't here because they were scared of me. They weren't here because they were afraid of what I might do. You know, like that's how I controlled my world in high school. You know, these people were here because they loved me. They were here because they knew God loved me. Like it, how can you not be so grateful with that? It's hard to not get emotional talking about it. I cry every time I preach. I'll just tell you that right now. I cannot talk about stuff that means this much to me and not weep, but I don't care because that's who I am and that's who God created me to be. So that's the show you're going to get when you listen to me no, preach. Hey, hey, I, and I appreciate the fact that the honesty and the the fact that you're really coming from a place where God where this could have gone so many wrong ways. And and yes, we could totally go there. I could talk about all the things, you know, where we talk about there, but for the grace of God, go why, right? There's oh, so yeah. Many, there's so many stories where God puts us in a position where, well, I shouldn't say God puts us, because we get theological and we could say, we don't know why we end up there, right? But we're there. And 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 somehow he, he said that, you know, the devil meant it for evil, you know, what, you know, Joseph says to his brothers, you know, you meant this, those guys meant mm-hmm. this for evil. But God turned this around and put you in the position. He's put you in a position now. And I want to turn this right now to where you are using your gift, the gift he put inside you all those years ago, you know, drawing and 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 um 
being in your room and being happy in your room before the diagnosis, before things started to turn to the dark to the dark sides of your life. It seems like art and the comic books, the, the telling of the story was in a way a retelling of your own story and a way of redeeming what, again, what the devil meant for evil. Mm-hmm. So it, would you say that, that, you know, number one, what was the, tra- what was the transition to, because you mentioned ministry and doing all these other jobs, being a carpenter, but at some point you picked up that childhood dream again. God gave that back to you. And and now you're doing something that all like a lot of people dream of doing. Full. Oh yeah! So so just so many people transition. dream of doing this, and it's it's not the fantasy they dream it is because it's hard work. Yeah. But it is. I am living my dream, and I'm living a whole lot of people's dreams, and I am cognizant of that fact. Like I spend most of my time on TikTok just trying to give tips to other artists up and coming to try and help them get to where I'm at and avoid pitfalls that I've made that I see other artists make, give them every tip and a bit of advice I can, because there is lots of work out here. Like it might not be working for Marvel or, you know, DC, but there's so much work in comic books that you could be doing right now if you hustle and you're good and you know you stick to your word and you meet deadlines and you return emails like simple stuff that people forget um but uh, i get off track because i'm so excited about like lifting people up and helping them learn to get where i'm at because i do get to live my dream job I have always worked in some kind of creative job um, since I was making money in high school with my art, you know, like drawing portraits and doing like logos for local companies and stuff in the small town that we grew up in. Um, So I've always worked in creative jobs. I've worked in printing and screen printing and uh, T-shirts and signs and used to do lettering on vehicles and stuff. I've done a few custom paint jobs. I built i sculpted and painted like 46 giant uh fiberglass polar bears for the dixie cafe restaurants that got installed when they turned their bars into soda fountains uh i've done all kinds of weird stuff i've carved like giant chili dogs for restaurants i have sculpted people's dogs for christmas presents i've done lots and lots of caricatures over the year that's an easy money maker anywhere you go um but i wasn't doing the real storytelling that I loved, like, you know, drawing t-shirts and stuff is fun. Cause you're always doing something different every day. And I thought signs was going to be a sellout job just to fill the day. I fell in love with signs. Like every vacation I went on, I'm not taking pictures of scenery. I'm taking pictures of signs and lettering on vehicles. Like I fell in love with this craft that I didn't even realize was as interesting as it is. Like I signed up to all the trade magazines and stuff. Like I was hardcore into this. I loved it. I had to quit because those too. magazines are expensive. Yeah. Oh yeah, true. But branding is telling a story too. So you were telling a story. Absolutely. Too. And you got to tell it quick. Something. Like, yeah. you know, it's got to be as somebody's driving by, you've got to catch their attention. You can't give them too much information because then they can't read it. And it's got to be eye catching. And, you know, I learned so much in that and, and all of that stuff makes me a better comic book illustrator now because I've worked on the other side of it. I know what they need on the, on the pre-press side of it. I know what's going to make it easier for them to set up the printing plates. I know 
all these things that make life so much easier now and make me more valuable sometimes than the guy next to me that doesn't know this. And so I'm grateful for how I got here. Um, I went out, when I graduated high school, I went out and tried to make it on my own. I knew I would get snapped up by a comic book company in moments that didn't happen. And everywhere I tried to get a job in graphics that year, I was out of school. They're like, you don't have a college degree. No way. I'm not hiring you. And then I nearly died of tonsillitis. And my mom had to come get me from Mississippi and bring me back home and nurse me back to health. And then she was like, all right, you got to get a job or you got to go to college. And by this point, after spending a year making it on my own, realizing just how hard you have to work at a gas station to make enough money to pay rent and to buy groceries, I was like, yeah, absolutely. I will go to college, hands down. And now, instead of being the selfish, spoiled, self-entitled jerk that I used to be, now I was grateful for everything that she gave me. And, you know, she gave me gas money and food money and let me focus on just going to school and not having to hold down a job at the same time, because with my ADHD brain and stuff, I don't think I would have succeeded as well as I did. Yeah. And I went to college. I studied 3D animation and design, which I'd never ended up getting a job in, but that's another story. But I get out of college, I'm applying for jobs. I go on interviews to some of these video game companies. And when they ask me, what have you been doing since college? And I'm like, oh, I work at a gas station down by the house because I love it. I love people. I loved working the cash register. I loved working the register and the credit card machine and the check reader that we had to do and flipping cigarettes and skull and juggling three customers at the same time while doing my yo-yo and singing and entertaining the crowds <laughs> and welcoming the new customer that comes in. I loved it. I love sweeping them up in the floors. I love cleaning the bathrooms because that sucker was spotless when I got done with it. I loved everything about that job. If it had insurance and benefits, I would probably still be working there. Like I loved it. It's fun, but they would get this look on their face. Like, why is an artist like you working in a gas station? Yeah. And I got tired of that look. So I was like, okay, I got to sell out and get a job in graphics somewhere. And I got that's a job so at a, you said that's so funny. You said you had to sell out to get a job. In Cause to me actual, in the actual field, to me, if it wasn't comic books or video games or animation or like something I was super passionate about, it was a sellout. I might as well oh. be drawing birds on greeting cards. Like, it doesn't matter as far I thought, but I got into t-shirts and then I got into science and then I, I fell in love with this business and realized there's so much awesome stuff to do. And especially when you can, a new business can come into you and they need a logo and their business cards and their signs made and their t-shirts printed and their hats embroidered for their wait staff. Like this is an awesome way to help your community and help lift up new businesses and make businesses successful because looking professional makes all the difference in the world and the way you're perceived. You know, mm -hmm. if it's just a bunch of people wearing red Hanes t-shirts from Walmart, like you look kind of sketchy, but if you're wearing nice shirts and you've invested a little bit of money and they're embroidered and stuff, and you got your, a nice looking professional logo and everything has the same look to it. And it's not different clip art on everything around you. 
it looks so much better and you're perceived as more professional and you're more successful and watching these businesses thrive and watching my community thrive was an amazing feeling to get to be a part of that. And I ended up really enjoying it. I still wanted to be telling stories. I was still working on my own comic books. I was still trying to find a way to self-publish, but at the time we didn't have print on demand printers with large scale scale digital printers that can print you a comic book in minutes. And like there, there's a company in Florida, Kablam, that prints like probably 90% of the indie comics in America. And I can go to them and order one comic book if I want, and they will print it and send it to me for under five bucks. Like, you know, maybe $3, I can sell it to you for five. And I made a comic book and sold it. That's amazing. When, when I was working in science and stuff, you could not get a comic book made if you weren't going to do a run of at least 5,000 or 10,000. No printer was going to talk to you because it was so much trouble to get, you know, the web presses and the offset printers and all that stuff to get them set up. It costs so much money. It wasn't worth it unless you were going to run 10,000 copies. So there's no bar. The bar of entry was so high that it sounds yeah. like with music and other things that used to be the gatekeepers, I guess you could say. And now, I mean, at that point, so, but let me ask you real quick, because you clearly <laughs> stepped in by yourself. You, you, you made that, you made the investment at some point you said, I'm going to do this anyway. Yeah. So what was that first, what was that first step that you said? Okay. Even though you're helping your community, you're doing the signage and you're doing the things that marketing, you're learning a lot about marketing clearly, but at some point you did say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to put this first comic book out. So what, what was that? And how did that, you know, elevate your, 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 your steps into your current situation? My first comic book that was successful and I actually sold, I made a few that I couldn't get into shops and stuff. And I'm glad now that they didn't because it was a long time ago and it was before I was saved and I was a young man and I was trying to prove how adult I was by making them as nasty and vulgar and disgusting as they could possibly be. And no store wanted to cover, carry them. And I am so grateful now that those books are not out in the world with my name on it. Mm. I cannot tell you how grateful I am for that failure that God put in my way. I praise him for that failure very often now because (laughs) I would be so ashamed for those to be out there now. But I, I stayed busy for a long time. I eventually kind of gave up on the idea of ever making it into comics and because for so long, the bar was just so high. Trying to do it yourself was so high. There's so many people trying to get into the big guys. Standing out among a crowd of billions is tough. And so I let that go, and I focused on the things that I could do here locally. I used to do a comic book through our church that we printed on the Xerox machine, and I loved it. Uh, we started the backpack feeding program for the kids that are on like free and reduced lunch so they could have a backpack of food over the weekend. So they're not stuck without food when they're at home. And we just started making this little black and white comic that we'd print on the Xerox machine and we'd stick in there for a little fun thing. Later on, like when my kids got into high school, I found out some of these kids had been collecting all those things. And that was so cool when I went to go talk to the schools and the kids were excited to meet me because they had all my comic books. And that was awesome. And, and that was a comic I could be proud of. And I could be glad that these kids found it and it had my name on it. It was exciting. Um, and then I spent many years disabled, many years in a wheelchair, many years where I couldn't draw at all. As things started to get better, 
little bit by little bit, I ended up getting myself a laptop so I could try and learn to draw digitally. Had a touch screen and a pen and you could draw right on the screen. And it took a lot of work, but I learned how to draw digitally and the tools you can set the stability and stuff to kind of smooth out the trimmer in my hand when it was real shaky. There was one, one drawing program had a lasso that gave you this long leash on your drawing tool. So I had to make big movements over here to make the little movements on this end. And that was great for me when my hand's shaking like this, I let me make much more intentional curves. Oh, I love that tool. Um, so I learned to use digital tools to help fix my problems. Like I'm still a little too shaky to go back to using a brush and ink to ink pages by hand. I will smear it. I will, my hand will jerk and twitch into the ink that's wet and stuff. It, it doesn't work real well for me anymore, but digitally, if my hand goes like that, I can just click undo and fix it. And that's, that's nice. Yeah. Um, the tools helped me work a little faster. I got to the point where I was like, you know, I think I could start trying to do some work again. And I decided to challenge myself. And so for Tourette Syndrome Awareness Month, one month, I decided to challenge myself every day for 30 days. I was going to try and draw something. It ended up becoming a strip of like single panel cartoons, Tourette's life about my life with Tourette Syndrome and all the funny things that I did and the weird things that I'd yell out. And, you know, like one time my ex-wife was talking about, you know, what do you think about trying to get a plane tickets and fly to my sister's house i immediately yelled out there's a bomb in my undercarriage and like that ended up in a cartoon because like i ain't making it through tsa with that and so i i did this cartoon strip for a while about my life with tourettes and it got a lot of attention and encouraged people and then some events happened i was on a tv show about them trying to help people with neurological differences find work and through that, I got a free table at my local comic con because I had helped out at the library for something. Wow. And okay, I've got a free table at the comic con. I've got nothing to sell. Like nobody here is going to really be interested in like printouts of my cartoons about Tourette's life. So that gave me the impetus I needed. I'd been working on this T Man and Hyperstrike idea for a while, just as an idea. I had put it out there in the Tourette's world several times over the last three years of like, you know, Hey, who'd be interested in this? And, you know, slowly and surely more people would respond. And, you know, eventually it got to be about a hundred people were interested in this. And so it's like, okay, I'm going to run a Kickstarter. I'm going to, to pay for printing and I'm going to make this comic book. And I drew it. I ran the Kickstarter. It was just barely successful. Like I just made it over the line at the last minute. And, got enough for printing. I printed 500 copies because the price break at 500 saved me a dollar from 400. And I wanted to have a stack of them after I gave out the like 95 to my backers. I wanted to have a stack left to sell. I sold like 400 of them that first year without even trying, wow. like just people kept hearing about it and seeing other people post about getting it and making orders. And I spent the next several months just running to the post office and ordering new wristbands and stuff because I wanted the kids to have something tangible with the comic that they could hold on to and remind themselves to, you know, that they're awesome. And it says Tourette syndrome on one side and tick loud and proud on the other. Wow. And oh, wow. that's like his battle cry 
you know, because he's the living embodiment of Tourette syndrome. Everybody in the world, he's connected to them through the T-force that, you know, we get our Tourette's from. And so he has all of our combined motor and vocal tics. So he can scream with a billion words at the same time and knock down monsters. And he can shake with the violent motor tics of a million people and break through vault walls, you know, in the bank. But he also has all of our combined intelligence and creativity and speed and strength and all the things that we're good at. He has all of that combined too. And he uses the intelligence and the creativity and all these things to help save the day. And, you know, and in this book, this little girl gets her Tourette syndrome taken away from her by this bad guy to power his monsters. And at first she thinks it's okay. And it's great. And she's not ticking anymore, but she's also not the smartest kid in math class anymore. She's not the most creative kid. She's not the friend that her friends miss, you know, she's not the bubbly, lively person that she used to be. And eventually she has to take this back and become her own superhero and own it. And the response I got from kids, I designed this to encourage kids with Tourette's. I designed this to make them proud of themselves and stand tall when people pick on them. The response I got from kids made me weep. I got so many letters from kids all over the world and, you know, videos of them jumping on the couch, yelling and screaming because they saw one of their ticks and what he screamed out, you know, at this monster and, you know, and that, that she's getting to help him. She's part of it, saving the day. Oh man. I did not expect that. That was so humbling. That's one of the things I'm looking forward to. Now that I've signed with my new publisher, Freestyle Comics, and it's a small indie publisher, like this is not one of the big guys, but I wanted to get with somebody that was closer to where I'm at that could help me get to where they're at on the ladder and uh, somebody that we can help build something together rather than just a giant company that I work for. And when Green Zone launches April 4th, if it's successful enough, by the end of the year, I'm moving over to just doing my own comics and I'll be doing green zone regularly. I'll be doing five star, which is also published through freestyle that my friend, Tony Clapper writes. And I'm hoping to get some more issues of T man out. Once I have a little bit more free time to be able to breathe and do my own stuff, because there's so many stories there. I want to tell too, but, uh, just, uh, just incredible fish. I'm, I'm telling you, like there's so many things we could get into with just that story of how you've taken something that was, again, affected you that tried to take away your joy and your life. And yet now you're, right giving, you're giving life to other children, to other people who, they, who then can see. And the, the example of you combining all these giftings, what we would call disabilities, right? And, mm-hmm. and showing how, you know, you're a superhero, that T-Man, but, you know, and really, you know, we could just go all the way to the analogy, how God allows us to pull our resources together, what we call weaknesses. When he is weak, when we are weak, he is strong, right? So mm-hmm. it's, just, uh, yeah, it's such an incredible picture. I have to quickly ask you, though, because you just mentioned how you took that leap of faith. You went ahead and made the first 500. You, you, you know, you just, you just, you said this is needed in the world. I've got to make it. I'm not going to wait for the next guy. I'm not going to wait for the next publisher. I'm going to make this. What advice would you give to one other aspiring artist or comic book writer or, or illustrator 
who is stuck at that one moment. They're like, no, this, there's too many people. There's Marvel. There's, you know, all these Spider-Man and, and, and it, it's too big now. Comic-Con is a hundred thousand people. And they think that there's no way in because now the barrier of entry for them is there's too many people doing this. So what advice would you give to anybody in the audience who wants to at least get started? It is tough. I know it's tough. I mean, it's amazing to me that we live in a time that we can collaborate with people all over the world easily in a moment's notice through the internet. We can, we have never before been able to print comic books and stuff so easily at such great prices. You know, if it wasn't for the pandemic and paper and ink shortages, there would be a lot more comics out right now than there are. Like it's a little bit of a struggle because of the pandemic slowed down productions, but still you can make your own comic and get it out there for very little money. Like what used to have to be a 20 or $50,000 investment to get it done. You know, now you can do for like $2,000, you know, if you have to hire out artists and stuff to do it, run a Kickstarter to pay for that money and, you know, print your comics. It is so easy. Now there are a sea of people doing it and others, a sea of people making trash i mean there's see people that are just like oh i made something it's not that good but they made something yeah. uh but you can do it and there's so many ways to do it now there are webtoons and stuff that you can do yeah. and actually make a profit on and you don't have to invest in the printing and stuff like if you do a good enough book and it's interesting enough and you have a new idea you will get viewers and you can make a profit on that and that's awesome it you can turn i could very easily turn the illustrations i'm doing into very simple animations and make it a youtube channel if i wanted to and do animations and get my stories out there the only thing that stops me there is i would have to find voice actors and stuff to help me out but there's so many people that want to get a shot voice acting that would love to help do that that you can do it my community right now that literally said that there's like we want to get into voice acting that he has a great baritone and right there, you just said it. Like, if you look for it, if you actually step forward and say, you know, the whole field of dreams things, if you build it, they will come, right? Mm-hmm. But it's really more stepping out in faith and saying, hey, if this is something that God put in your heart, like he put it in your heart, um, he will also provide the resources and the people and the, and, the, and the provision to get it done. But if you don't step forward, like, that's why I went mm-hmm. to this home, because- you took what was seemingly an impossible situation, God turned it around for good, and then you actually took what was in your hand and used it, even though it was a struggle. And I just want to make sure that nobody that's listening to this, whether it's music, art, film, poetry, author, whatever it is, like I'm hoping to hear your example and say, okay, if he did it, I've got to start. I can't, there's no excuse if Fish did what he did. With all the all, all the obstacles that came your way, there's no excuse for any creative to go and uh, pursue their dream. That's that's what I'm saying. Don't be afraid to step out. Don't be afraid to invest in yourself. You know, like the thousand dollars that I invested in that laptop, that was very scary because I was disabled. I'm living on disability. We are just barely getting to the end of the month with any money left in the bank. But I took tax returns and I invested in a laptop and that was very scary. And my ex-wife was not happy about it. And, but I had, I had to take a chance and invest in myself and see if I could do this now, you know, if this would help out as much as it looks like it would help out. 
And now I pay all my bills drawing comic books. You know, there was, I worked all through the pandemic, like right before the, about a year before the pandemic hit, I was at a crossroads and the comic book stuff was starting to take off and I was starting to get work. And, but the church that I had helped plant closed. And now I was like, you know, do I start looking for a new church or is this the time? Cause I knew this is the time I need to start making money. I need to find a job. And I was like, or is this the time I look for a church of my own to pastor now? And God was very clear. Like, no, you need to work on the, the comics. And I was like, this doesn't make sense to me. Cause I mean, like, I feel like I'm being disobedient by not standing at the pulpit every Sunday and preaching the love of Christ. He's like, no, 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 no. Trust me. You need to be working on comic books. And I was, like, I'm anything but disobedient. So I'll do it. I don't understand why, but I'll do it. I did not realize that my ex-wife was about to run off and abandon us. I did not realize that the cops, the sheriff's department was on its way to seize the house because she hadn't paid the rent in months. I did not realize these things. And suddenly I needed to be able to pay my bills. And the clients that I worked with every day came around me like a hedge of protection. And they're out looking for new jobs for me every day when they know I have a free second. They're like, Hey, I know you've been wanting some for fishing. He's got like 10 minutes. Why don't you go over and hit him up right now? And I had nothing but work. I managed to pay off all the back loan on the house. I kept my kids fed. I kept a roof over our heads. And then the pandemic hits and all the small churches around here closed. A whole lot of my pastor friends were out of a job and a lot of them didn't open back up around here because it was too big of a hit for too long. And I worked steadily drawing muscle men in their underwear, beating each other up seems like the epitome of non-essential, but entertainment was very essential when everybody's stuck at home and all these creatives that are wanting to build these worlds. Now, all of a sudden they're stuck at home with nothing to do, but write their stories. And every time a stimulus check comes in, the commissions come flooding in. And I was like, you know, you're supposed to pay your bills with that, but I will gladly pay my bills with it. And, you know, I worked all through the thing. I was so busy all through the pandemic when everybody else was hurting. And I am, I am humble and grateful and amazed that Christ loved me and protected me and, and provided for me in that way. And I, I just can't help but be filled with praise for how good he's been to me. I ended up meeting my new wife and falling in love during the pandemic. We got married and, you know, I am so blessed now and I could not be happier. My job is successful. And now I'm getting to move from doing other people's comic books every day to doing my own stories every day. And, you know, maybe it fails. Maybe I take this step out on my own and try and do this. And maybe I get two issues and people quit buying it. And I have to go back to drawing other people's comic books all day. That's a really great second prize. Like that's not a failure. So either way I'm good, but I cannot help but be excited about green zone. Cause when people see this world 
everybody that has seen it, everybody that has read it has fallen in love with it. My editor's husband just sent me a list of story ideas yesterday that, you know, he just could not help but be excited about it and, you know, start throwing stuff out there. And that makes me excited because I know when people see this book and they read it, they're going to, they're just going to be ecstatic. And anybody that wants to read it can go to mrfishcomics.com. You can read the six page preview. See if you want to check it out. And if you like it, go to gomrfish.com, sign up to be notified when the Kickstarter launches. And I cannot wait for people to see this world because it is, it is. Oh man, it's I, awesome. I, I can absolutely co-sign on all that because number one, your your enthusiasm for telling stories comes out in your illustrations, in the story that you describe the whole world. I don't want to give it too much away because now, remember, this is uh, we, we we're not going to give it away when in terms of people are listening because they may by the time they hear this, it may already be in their hands, right? So <laughs> if you listen to this uh, at the time of recording, go uh, support the Kickstarter. If you're listening to this and it's out, go get it now. But I cannot look. This has been one of the most fascinating, most uh, moving interviews I've ever done. Uh, I, I thank you. No, I'm, I'm not saying that to, 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 to blow smoke. Trust me. Hey, There's I appreciate so much- it. There's so much freedom that was that was that was shared here. So much information, things that people, uh, 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 you know, and the Bible says, you know, the truth shall make you free. Not just set you free, it shall make you free when you accept it. So there's been truth about how we see people, how we can destigmatize people, how we can see their disabilities as strengths. Sir, you are a blessing to the creative world and to the kingdom. So I thank you so much. Tell them one more time, real quick. They can go to what was the website? My website is mrfishcomics.com and okay. you can you can see some preview information, some bios of some of the characters there, a little bit of a download of the story. It's basically a world where anybody could be born a genome with superpowers and if you are, you're looked at as a walking weapon. You're a monster, a supervillain waiting to happen. So they get shoved into green zones in the, you know, inner city and they're forced to live in the blocks which are these giant overbuilt ghettos so that you can't blast through them with your laser vision or whatever. And you're basically forced into this, these slums and your only way out is five years of servitude. You have to prove that you're not a threat to humanity by risking your life for five years as like either in the military, the fire department, the police. And this follows a group of new recruits to the police force on their first shift. And you see a variety of characters you know, some of them look really terrifying. Like Virgil is an eight foot lizard monster looking guy. He is the kindest, sweetest soul you will ever meet. He has been alone his entire life growing up in this terrifying ghetto. He's always been looked at as a monster. And all he wants to do is get out, open a bookshop and spend the rest of his life hiding in the back, reading books, pretending to be anything other than a terrifying monster. That's all he wants. But he has to risk his life first as a cop for five years to get his citizenship and his right to own property and vote back. And so he's doing it. Bellamy is another character. She's this little lady. She's covered in porcupine quills all over her body. If she bumps into somebody on the subway and sticks them with one of these quills, she could go to prison for unlawful use of supernatural force. So you can see it in her body language. She's always terrified. She's always uncomfortable. She's always keeping her elbows tucked in and stuff so that she doesn't accidentally bump into somebody. Um, 
there's so many characters, you know, there's genomes that look perfectly human and, you know, could easily walk in and out of the green zone and nobody cares. And, you know, how they get treated differently than people like Virgil and how stacked against them the system is. And they tell you that, oh yeah, anybody that wants to could earn their way out. You know, all you got to do is serve five years. What's five years. But then you find out just how stacked against you it is and how few people make it out to the other side. And it is, oh, the world is so complex and it's so rich and seeing people that have devoted their whole lives to this, thinking that if I work hard enough, I'm going to make it through. I'm going to break the genetic ceiling and I'm going to get promoted to where I want to be and where I deserve to be. But you're never going to get there because the people above you still look at you as a thing and not a human being. And no matter how hard you work, no matter how good a job you do, no matter how much you sacrificed. And I just love this world. And like I commissioned one of my friends to do a a pinup for it. And, you know, because the Kickstarter and you need all kinds of cool stuff to give people. And um, and I realized he hadn't read the book yet. So I sent him PDF copy of it. 20 minutes later, he calls me on the road, screaming at me, terrified my daughter in the car. He's screaming at me. Man, this is so awesome. I can't believe it. This is the best book I've read in years. I'm so excited. Oh, man, you're going to kill it. Like the excitement that other creatives have given me when they've read this just gives me joy because I know people are going to love this book. And so MrFishComics.com, you can check out the preview copy. Go MrFish.com will take you right to the Kickstarter. Either you can sign up if it's not live yet, or you can go right to the Kickstarter. Once the Kickstarter is over, go MrFish.com will take you to where the book's for sale. So it'll always take you to either the new Kickstarter or the issues that are ready. So that's where to find me. Perfect. Oh, gosh. Again, I, I cannot wait. I cannot wait for people to hear this, to see this, and to understand again the depth now that they know the backstory like right we talked about the superhero story right your origin story and now that they really the, what 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 endears me to all these comic book characters nowadays of course the you know the the, the billion dollar industry that marvel and so on but what really endears us is the fact that it really comes back that this could be you this mm-hmm. could be something that you could overcome if you apply these principles and act in the same way act heroically you have done so sir thank you so much for sharing your story for being so honest and open and vulnerable and i cannot wait to see what's next for you guys got amazing things obviously on the horizon so god bless you thank you so much for being a part of this show sir thank you man i really appreciate it tried to explain there was nothing i could explain that would make that story any more powerful than you just hearing it for yourself you've heard how a man with faith in god and with the understanding that there was more to reach for is now living out his dream and now is producing something that he is so excited about and again i am excited when i hear all of the different themes that he's putting into this creative project of his new comic book series, Green Zone. So you definitely want to tap that link in our show notes to find out more about it. And if you're listening after the Kickstarter is over, then hopefully you're actually able to get to that material and support Fish and check out the rest of his work. But most importantly, once again, 
It's about the heart of the man, the heart of the story, the encouragement you've just heard, the inspirational overcoming of obstacles that now if he's overcoming, you know you can. You know that faith in God and faith in the creative dream that he's put inside you is more than enough for you to achieve what is in front of you and what you are looking out for. Okay. That's really what I want you to get out of this episode. I know Fish is thinking the exact same thing. If you are interested in the comic book or the illustration world, absolutely once again, reach out to him. But this is about any creative who wants to build that creative life that you are dreaming of. You've heard somebody now who's told you how to do it, even in the midst of such incredible obstacles. So make sure that if you want more inspiration like this, to follow the show, to subscribe, to make sure to check out all the other things we have available for you at GodAndGigs.com, including free resources, which help you to become a full-time creative is one that I always recommend. All you have to do is go to GodAndGigs.com slash questions, and you will learn how to become a full-time creative by answering some of the questions that might be coming up in your mind right now, just like the questions that Fish had. How do I actually work this out? How do I make money doing what I love while being able to move away from more traditional sources of income? Well, if you get that workbook from GodandGigs.com. It will show you how to do that by giving you the questions you need to answer and giving you a template to be able to answer those questions before you reach that question in your real life. Okay. Go check that out at GodandGigs.com slash questions. It's a free resource. All you got to do is give the email and I can send that to you right away. But that's all our show for today. I think that you are full. Hopefully you are full and hopefully you'll send this episode to somebody else who really needs that boost of inspiration to hear from someone who's as energetic and alive about their creative life as Fish is. Until next time, everybody, continue to become the creative that you were created to be. God bless you and we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us here at the God and Gig Show. Please leave us a review on iTunes, like our Facebook page, or visit GodandGigs.com and tell us what you thought of this show. We'll be back soon. In the meantime, go create something amazing.